they call it an Akashic record. The belief is that there's this energetic space that holds your soul's history. This idea that every single thing that you've ever done in the history of your soul's life, not this incarnation, has been recorded and stored somewhere. That's Laura Coe, and this is episode 451 of the Wellness Wisdom Podcast. Wellness Wisdom, where we discover the physical and emotional intelligence to live life well. Okay, how can we bring awareness and reverence to all the little mundane elements of our life? Wellness, I think, is a combination of understanding your own internal wants, needs, and desires. If you really want to take guidance from your soul, you have to be ready to realize that many of the things that you're asking for guidance on, your ego has some kind of an addiction to or an investment in. Understanding that we are a piece of nature, you know, nature is where we belong, I think is a very comforting thing to understand that would certainly feed into wellness well. Hey, it's Josh Trent. This is the Wellness Wisdom Podcast. If you're here for the first time, this is your home where we gather, apply, and embody the wisdom to live our life well. This is inside the Pentagon of Wellness that we're all living, whether we know it or not. This is the home for you to learn the best physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, and financial intelligence from those who have mastered these areas. And if you haven't done so, hit subscribe wherever you're listening or watching this podcast on YouTube or Spotify or Apple. Does anybody listen anywhere else besides those three? I'm curious. Like, I feel like those are the biggest three. If you want to get coaching from me or if you want to be with us in the Wellness Wisdom community, head over to wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. It's a perfect starting place for you to refresh your wellness, to refresh your morning practices. I have six science bag practices in there that I've organized for you that will powerfully start your day and help you reclaim and refresh your wellness. Wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. This is episode 451. Laura Coe, Understanding Akashic Records, How to Live Your Dharma, Spiritual Bypassing, Twin Flames, and Soul Meets. You know me, my friend. I have both feet here planted on earth. I also have my head in the clouds. I think that's more of a fun way to learn. Do you agree? I don't want to just be so serious all the time, but I also don't want to be on a mountain wearing a white cape with a big jewel around my neck. This is why this episode has so much meaning for me, because we're not only exploring the spiritual concepts of Dharma and Akashic Records, we're also exploring the emotional intelligence it takes to use your own intuition to know when information and guidance is best for you. My guest today is a return guest, Laura Coe. She came on the podcast when her life looked totally different. She sold her company in 2006 and came back to her philosophical roots to write a book called Emotional Obesity, as well as host a popular podcast that I've been on called The Art of Authenticity. When Laura came across the Akashic Records, a way to systematically deepen the connection to your authentic voice, she found that the wisdom of the records changed the trajectory of her work, and she used it to author the Nature series and found The Little Soul School. Her writings have been featured in Huffington Post, Forbes, Thought Catalog, the New York Observer, and so many more. Since we podcasted about three years ago, Laura went through her own death and rebirth process, which as you know, we went through one ourselves, moving from wellness force to wellness wisdom. In this episode, we explore some truly profound topics like the truth behind the Akashic Records, her experience as a spiritual guide, her insights about the role we are playing here in the universe, how to unlock yourself further to have more potential that's lived in the 3D world, and the concept of soul splitting and healing after a loss of well-being. And this is a big one, free will and soul contracts. I really love Laura's presence and her intelligence around the combination of free will and soul contracts and dharma 
and karma. Essentially, you will learn about these records, these sacred Akashic records, and what they mean for all the people out there in relationship or dating when it comes to soulmates and twin flames, which is a hotly debated topic. But I'm going to spoil it for you here. No, I'm just playing. I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it for you here. Look, I'll just tell you this. There's a difference between soulmates and twin flames. One can be romantic and friendship-based. The other is purely romantic. Listen to the show, find out which one it is, and see how it applies to your life. And if you love this podcast, please share it with somebody. Share it with somebody you care about. And if you really love this podcast, or if you want me to read your review live on air, or you just want me to hear your voice, you want to share with me what you really feel about these episodes in this podcast, and let everyone else know, leave us a five-star review with your honest feedback, your thoughts. It really helps the show in the algorithms, you know, the, the Google, the Apple, the Spotify algorithms, the computers that control everything. It really helps the podcast grow. Thank you so much. We're always looking for more ways to make the podcast better. You can just go to joshtrent.com forward slash review right there from your phone. Now, enjoy this podcast with Laura Co. Everything we talk about, you can find at joshtrent.com forward slash 451. Laura Co., I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. It was 2018. I was looking at this yesterday in prep for us. 2018, you were on Wellness Force, which was the old podcast. And we talked about emotional obesity. You've been through so much. I mean, literally a lifetime in the past three, four years. So um, share with the audience. You know, I, I know you. I love you. I've gotten a Akashic Record reading from you, which we're going to talk about today. But if people don't know you and maybe you were out in a coffee shop or in an elevator or just hanging out with people in a social situation and they ask that key question, you know, where people go, hey, what do you do? which I don't really like that question anyways. But if somebody did ask you, hey, what do you do, quote, quote, bunny ears, what would you tell them? Yeah, so um, I am a authenticity coach. I've written a few books on the intersection of authenticity and success, how to have both, right? We don't have to sacrifice success for authenticity. And now I'm an Akashic record reader. Um, It's an energetic space that holds your soul's history. And I channel books from that space and give readings to people um, to help them unlock their deepest truths. And from the corporate background and the professional background to now being here, did you have any past colleagues that were like, Laura, what's up? <laughs> you know, what, what are you doing? Like you made this massive jump over the Grand Canyon of spirituality. Like, did that come up? Oh my God. I mean, it didn't just come up. It was like horrifying. I, um, I used to joke like it was really hard to come out as gay in the 90s. Uh, coming out as spiritual in my world, in my yeah. experience, it was rough. Like I felt very shy about doing it. Like I was, I, I don't know, I felt more nervous about admitting the spirituality than I did about admitting I was gay. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was kind of rough. Um, but what I found was as I started to tell people, there's this thing I'm doing and it's really exciting actually got such a great reception. So many more people were curious, but hiding that truth as well, which I find really interesting. I find it really fascinating that we have to qualify. A lot of what our conversation is going to be about today is like, what do we do here in the 3D to be a fully integrated human? But I find it really fascinating that even with all the knowledge that you have and that so many spiritual teachers and guides have out there, that there is this justification for us to constantly justify why, quote, things are spiritual. And in my mind, in my heart, I'm like, everything I do has a spiritual component. 
everything I do. Mm -hmm. And before we jump off into this spiritual conversation, I want to read a quote that was inspired by the research and I was doing before we sat for this podcast today. And it was from a deceased mentor of mine, and I believe yours, uh, Paramahasa Yogananda. He said, when I am gone, the teachings will be the guru. Through the teachings, you will be in tune with me and the great gurus who sent me. Mm. And I just want to let that land because Paramahasa Yogananda was also what Paul Check had shared with Carrie and I that brought us together as partners. And it was the soulmate prayer. And it was mm. so profound. And, and there's so much wisdom from Paramahasa Yogananda. But what, what arises for you with everything you've created up till now and the record readings that you've both given and who you've taught others to give and also your story and everything that's led you up to here. What comes up for you when you hear this? When I am gone, the teachings will be the guru. Through the teachings, you will be in tune with me and the great gurus who sent me. What do you feel from that? What does that mean to you? Yeah, you know, for me, it brings up this idea that's been really true for me for decades that everything we need to know has been taught before us and will be taught after we leave because the truth of this experience, this existence is being spoken through so many voices over so many generations. It's hard to hear. It's hard to take in, but it is um, consistently, in my opinion, the same message, right? The oneness, the love, the, the um, surrender and acceptance and all these other things. But that's how I hear that is that it's been there. It'll continue. It's not about me, Laura Co. as a teacher or whomever. It's all of us embodying these teachings that have come before us and will continue after us. Sometimes I feel like, I'm curious how you feel about this, that we are in a cosmic library and you and I, our life story is like on one page of a book in an unbelievably large, almost uncountable library uh, that is called life or existence or consciousness. Before we get into the definition of Akashic Records, and I know we're going to go deep into that drawer, what are your thoughts? How, how do you feel? What is your experience as a guide and a spiritual teacher yourself when it comes to our lives living out in this massive cosmic library that we're all part of? Oh, you're the heavy hitter right out of the gate. Yeah. I mean, listen, I don't feel that um, my experience as a human, Laura Coe, as this chapter of my soul's history, right? It's one story in a library of stories of all of our different incarnations over an infinite amount of time. And I think we get so caught up in the drama of being who we are that we start to lose ourselves into the singularity of this one experience of me. <laughs> like, this is what matters, me and my daily dramas and my emotional upheaval and the, the woes and challenges and the desires of what I think I need in my life. But I think in reality, it's kind of that drop in the ocean, piece of sand at the beach, right? Like we're we're really each incarnation, such a small droplet, but part of part of this larger ocean, if you will, or or beach, right? That yeah. truth, is, I mean, it just like washed over my whole nervous system. Sometimes for people that are maybe just beginning their spiritual journey, 
many of the people here that are with us in this, I guess you could say page in the cosmic library, they have been on the journey for some time, but also some people are just starting. Maybe someone's watching us and with us right now, and they're literally just beginning their exploration into spirituality. Uh, as a jumping off point for Akashic Records, I talked about the library, the cosmicness. Um, you've described this as an energetic space that holds your soul's history. For somebody that doesn't know anything about Akashic Records, which was me, by the way, before you did my reading, which now I'm not just a believer, I'm an integrator. I think that there's real unique wisdom that can be brought by a practitioner like yourself that really puts their heart and soul into it. And there's integrity that's key, which we'll talk about later. But for somebody that's just starting the journey, not for the seasoned spiritual explorer, how would you present this to them, this, this concept of Akashic Records? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I want to say that I think 98% of the people who come and do a reading with me are like, I don't know what this is. My friend told me to come. I heard you on a podcast. I'm, I'm intrigued. I have no idea. I think it's the greatest kept secret out there. It's like meditation 50 years ago. For some reason, this uh, ancient system isn't that popular, but it's been around for a long time. Hmm. I didn't know what it was either. I walked in blank kind of going, I don't know, I'm just doing this thing today and I got blown away. Um, but an Akashic record the belief is that there's this energetic space that holds your soul's history. So if you think of uh, Western Christianity, Judaism, they call it the book of life. Uh, in the Eastern traditions, they say Akasha, primary substance. But this idea that every single thing that you've ever done in the history of your soul's life, not this incarnation, has been recorded and stored somewhere. They call it an Akashic record. And the idea is that there's an Akashic library, like books, you know, that you can um, sort of think of it in that way. But I, I think that's just to help our human minds conceptualize this space, because yeah. obviously there's no actual library sitting up somewhere in the world. It's just an energetic space that holds your soul's history. So what an Akashic record reading is, is I just read some sentences and like I have a, a cell phone and it reaches out to all my friends. I just plug in different phone numbers. Um, there's these sentences and you just swap out the full legal name. And that allows me to get into one person's uh, soul's history versus another's. I don't really, Josh, I don't know how it works. Um, I don't really know how my cell phone works. I certainly know that if we dropped some cell phones off 50 years ago, we would hope that people just trusted it did work because we now know it does. Yeah. Um, I feel that way. Like I don't really know exactly how to explain it better than that, but I just know that there it absolutely works. People are blown away every single time. I know uncanny details about them, their families, their soul truths, um, and yeah. it it's profound. Yeah. I mean- Everyone here, go to onelessforce.com forward slash community. We put together a small compilation of highlights from when Laura gave me the Akashic Record reading, and it was profound. I mean, you really didn't do any research on me. You didn't study me. We were just coming together after we did a podcast, and the podcast we last did was about you. I mean, I haven't been on your show yet. And so you didn't really know me, and the way you described my life, my way of being, I mean, it brought me to tears afterwards and it, it was such, it was such a profound experience that I was like, I have to bring this to other people. I have to share, which is really the whole purpose of wellness wisdom anyways, is for me to share what wisdom I'm learning. But, but what, you said something so profound. You said it's like a carrier pigeon versus a cell phone. You know, Akashic records are like Wi-Fi. It's a thing we can't see, but 
it's all stored. There's many things. Like, I don't know exactly how electricity works. I don't know exactly how combustion engines work. I mean, I have some science and knowledge on that because I used to be a technician. But, oh, my God, this this etheric realm, this energetic realm, this living library, cosmic library. How does one, how did you at the very start uh, begin to, first of all, be able to access the records? And then secondly, to hold the records with love and integrity? Because I think that is a really big piece of this. We have a lot of people that are out there in the spiritual world that are just grasping from a place of um, lack to be a teacher of some sort, and they might not treat the records with integrity and with love. So two questions, how did you begin to um, train your heart and soul to access them? And then how do you maintain integrity and love when you share with them, uh, when you share them with people? Yeah. You know, I never thought of myself as a mystic. I was somebody who would have said this is for somebody else. Um, I did a bunch of readings and they were all accurate. And then I was told I should learn the Akashic records. So I kind of did it begrudgingly because I was like, I'm not really a mystic, which is one of the reasons I'm excited to teach so many people because I think we're all supposed to be part of this space. But I'm kind of old school, Josh. Like I really do like to work on a craft. So when I did learn, I spent hours. I mean, I would open the records. I had a friend I taught. We'd go in, we'd spend five, six hours. I'd spend every day. I do two, three hours a minimum. I'd read everybody I could. Um, I'd practice and practice and practice. I didn't find a training that was very helpful to me. So um, I really was self-taught, but I didn't do it for money for many, many, many I probably put a thousand hours in or something before I was willing to get paid. I did it for clients. I did it for friends. I, but I would run all these tests, you know, I would check and then I'd have a friend go in my records and double check. And then, you know, and I'd just do all these things to make sure um, it was, it was integral. And to your second question, I mean, it's a tough one. You know, I grapple with it. This idea that maybe some people aren't using the space or how do I use this space in a way that's um, I don't know. Right. Uh, from an, in a place of integrity. Yeah. Um, the Akashic realm is integral by definition. So if you're in it, you're going to get information that is for the person's highest good without judgment and no sense of right or wrong. And it'll be beautiful. And you'll be brought to tears and you'll feel like, oh my God, those healing and you'll be in the energy with me. The challenge is like, uh, slipping out of the records. Like it's like a meditation right? So when I go into a deep meditation state, sometimes I pop in, sometimes I pop out, right? Or sleep, something like that. Um, if you feel like you had that restless night of sleep and you're like, God, all night I was just in and out of sleep. So the only really way that it doesn't work well is when people don't understand when they're slipping out of the records and their ego jumps in and they're really trying to give advice instead of allowing the energy to be the only thing. And the mm-hmm. challenge of that is like, I mean, your, your ego just gets pummeled, right? Because it's like, Laura Coe has no value. I mean, none. I am literally just receiving, taking it in and translating. And all of my energy is about staying focused on that and allowing myself to be used for this energy in the most um, helpful way to the client. And that's a hard nut for your ego to swallow. So sometimes you just want to jump in and say, well, I'm thinking it might mean this. And it's like, nobody cares what you're thinking. Um, I could see how it would be really challenging maybe for some people with um, 
trauma they haven't processed to not project their own beliefs and trauma onto the client as an Akashic record practitioner and reader. So you've, you've trained over 400 people now and the list yeah. keeps growing. What have you seen? Like what comes up for people when they start to learn how to read the records? In other words, how do they not project their own stuff on their client? So I had a, like a real moment of clarity with myself around this, right? Because I want, if you've ever been in a creative flow, if you've ever had a moment of like, oh my God, it just came to me. I believe you're already in the records, right? I think that energy that we receive when we're like, oh my God, I just, it, it just hit me. <laughs> like whatever that is, that's like a little micro version of the records and opening the records to me is just moving it into like a funnel versus uh, this little droplet and also controlling it instead of it happening whenever it happens. It happens because I'm, I'm, I'm getting the answer. Uh, whenever I want it. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, so I don't want to say like, I'm the guardian of the Akashic realm. I'm going to decide who has the right to be there and what um, tests they have to pass because Laura Co has decided that she actually knows better about who belongs in the space. I don't believe that's true. So I teach people I believe this space is so much bigger than me. Clearly, it's like dropping information that is outside of me that um, it's really none of my business how other people use it and if they're, quote, getting it all right. Here's what I think, Josh. We all ask our friends for advice. We all read books. We all go out and we go in the news. Like the Akashic realm, I mean, it's just one more area where you're going to go and ask a question and hopefully get guidance. And then ultimately, one of the big views of the Akashic realm is we have free will. So you then have to decide what you feel is true for you. And if you're with somebody who's giving you a reading and their ego's all over it, hopefully, you know, somewhere deep within yourself that there's something inaccurate. If you don't, I know this might sound harsh, but maybe that's the lesson for you is you, you listened and you didn't trust your own instincts and there's just meaning in that. Right. So, um, so my advice would be don't follow blindly uh, anything, including the Akashic realm, uh, trust your instincts, let things land. I didn't think I could be an Akashic record reader, but it didn't feel wrong. It just didn't necessarily land as, as true for me, but I tried it and then it was true for me. So just be, just be careful like you would with anything. That's so powerful. I want that to land for everyone because anytime we, you know, outsource our locus of control or our mind or our psyche, anytime we loan or lend out our internal faculty of knowing what's true for us, we can potentially bring in entities, darkness, other people, you know, the lambs being led to slaughter, like the wolf in sheep's clothing, whatever metaphor you want to use. So I, I love that you said that because this is not a golden ticket to have the ultimate peace in your life. This is another tool for someone to use so that they can get clear on their internal guidance, you know, on why they're here. What kind of info is available when you open the records? Like, what do you start to learn in the beginning? Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing that's so interesting is there's no right or wrong. Right. So even when say somebody gets a reading and it's all ego and they go in the quote wrong direction, there's never wrong. So what you receive in the Akashic realm is what is for your highest good in this moment for you to move from wherever you are to wherever the next space is for you and your soul's journey, which is all about lessons. We all 
eight out of 10 people call me and say, you know, I want to know what my purpose is. They mean, what is the tangible 3D thing that I'm going to put into the world? They don't mean purpose by the way that the records define it. So what I mean by that is we are taught exactly what we need to, to unlock ourselves further on our soul evolution towards a deeper understanding of ourself. And as we know that, we can manifest it in the 3D world. So when you get a reading, it tells you things like you need to practice joy or not need to, right? It's never a should, but it's a, it's, you know, your relationship to joy is as such, and it comes from your childhood and this trauma. And um, there's never any judgment ever. The information comes through in this really beautiful way. But with that information, you can open yourself up further to yourself. So then the truth of what it is that you want to do can be available. I want to open a flower shop. Well, but I'm crippled with fear of leaving my current job because my mother told me every day of my life that I wasn't good enough in some kind of way. Well, you need to work on worthiness. I know you want the flower shop, but the flower shop isn't ready for you yet because you have a worthiness thing happening. So that's how an Akashic record reading works. It's really getting to the, the heart of why you're stuck, not as much like this um, linear path, right? People want the one, two, three to the sex tra- uh, success trajectory, right? Like how do I get from here to there most effectively to have what I want and make more money? Right? Well, the like, mind loves that. I mean, you, when you speak to my mind like that, I'm like, yeah, tell me, <laughs> but it ain't that <laughs> simple. Right. Yeah. But yeah. that's the thing. It's like um, success and how we define that and what that looks like. And it's very easy to find success. I mean, if you just want to get out there and, and do well, then just go grind. I mean, it's not that hard. You know, I built a business, just grind. Don't listen to anything, work 40 hours, um, sorry, 12 hours a day, right? Like just go, 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 go. You will get success somewhere. Um, that's not what people want. They want a sense of fulfillment. They want a sense of like connection into themselves. And then that is reflected, uh, in the, in the real world. Right. And, that's why people come up empty handed all the time. Cause they're like, well, I, I, I did it. I built a business. I sold it. And I looked around and I'm like, something's not right. You know, I can't tell you right. how many people I know, podcasters, internet marketers. I was actually, I won't say his name. I was at a guy's house uh, three or four years ago and he made millions of dollars and we were sitting on the back deck and he goes, man, I just, I just thought it would be different. You know, I, I thought <laughs> yeah. when I got here that that it would feel better and that I would feel more loved and and just life would be better. But that's it, Josh. That's it. Everybody says to themselves, I'm going to work hard to get there because when I get there, I will feel. I can take the the, breath. I can be at peace. Yeah, I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to step into myself. I will know who I really am. I will feel that top of the mountain moment, right? I will have arrived and then I can just smooth sail all the way to the end. I did that. Everybody does that. It's just not true. It's just not true. You get there. It doesn't feel like the thing you asked for because internal freedom and joy and peace and serenity, it does not come from selling a business. I mean, selling the business is nice, but when you um, do what is really deeply true within your heart and soul and you put that into the world, you're having successes every hour, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Your life is a representation of an internal success that's based on love and really dharma. I want to go through a a few key terms with you. Um, And you talk about them in the book. This is a amazing series that we're linking in the show notes. Nature of love, self-love, and boundaries. These were channeled, right? These were books that were channeled. And again, you're not a psychic. This isn't something where you're wearing a white cape. This is one of the things I love about you is there's just like this practical trust with you. (laughs) You know, we're here in the 3D. Let's not spend time only on the mountain. These were channeled, yes? And when you you say channeled, what do you exactly mean by that? (laughs) Yeah, it surprised me too. Uh, So I'm a writer, you know, you get into creative flow. You write sometimes when... I don't know. It just comes through you. You feel this sense of like, wow, I had a great day. It just like, it just poured out of me. Yeah. Um, So I, I had learned the Akashic records. I was reading people for fun. I was doing it with myself. I had a daily practice and I was in the records. Um, And the person I've, I've been dating on and off uh, is my twin flame. We have a very complicated relationship. And she said something quite annoying to me in a text. She was like, no strings, no expectations or something. And I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? And I was in my <laughs> records and I started typing, like, what the fuck does that even mean? And I started getting an answer about the definition of expectations. And I was like, whoa, what is happening? So I started asking questions. Well, what, what, what's the nature of love? What's the nature of what's the, and I just was so curious that I kept going. And over six months, I'd ask these questions. What's the nature of pick a topic, self-love, love. And I get these beautiful answers. Just call it creative flow. If you want, it came through me. I would read it back. And I was like, I don't know that I don't write like that. I don't understand where that came from. And it was absolutely beautiful. And I would learn from it. I have the three that you're talking about, but there's actually um, 13 of them. I have 10 more that um, I'm going to release. I just decided to start with the first three, but if for anybody who's a writer, I mean, you know, 300 pages in, in six months. And it's was like, I didn't even need to edit. It just came out sort of almost perfect. Um, So that's what it means to have, quote, channeled a book. You know, it's just sort of um, opening the records, having this this energy of the records inform my writing ability, um, just like I would do for a reading. One of the things we talked about in the past was this phrase, tuning into the quantum. And I quantum, I'm wearing a necklace from, from Leela Quantum, which if you're watching this podcast, then you may or may not have already heard ours with the company. There's so much of my own mind, heart, and psyche that goes into things when I believe they're true. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious for you, this phrase quantum. I think you mentioned to me, it's like this, it's this word for our sixth sense that science has created. So our minds will understand what it is. Are you dipping into the quantum when you read the records? What is the quantum for you? Yeah. Uh, Two separate questions. I mean, one, I'll just say flat out. I don't know, Josh, like, like (laughs) Plato says uh, through Socrates, right? Uh, Wisdom is knowing that you only know one thing, which is I know nothing. I mean, I have really, really, really surrendered to this idea lately. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I'm tapping into. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know what all this is. It seems impossible, and yet it's always true. What do, what do I surmise? I, I think that um, quantum physics does suggest these multiple dimensional fields, this idea that time is um, really not happening, that actually time is spherical, the uh, infinite possibility of all moments, um, the collapsing of time and space, the, um, I mean, all of these things that, that, that quantum physics is, is 
talking about, which I'm not deep into, but I do read to some degree, it does feel very aligned with the Akashic records. Um, the Akashic records do not have time. Uh, infinite possibility is available in all moments. And we are just um, working with that energy. Oh, and our energetic field also, you know, is outside of our bodies is what everybody agrees to now. And how far it exactly extends is still being debated. I mean, they definitely know it's at least six feet, but yeah. you have that quantum coupling stuff, right? So if you couple two particles, um, and then you separate them, you can put them across the country, spin one and the other spins, right? So all of this stuff defies our current view of science. I think the Akashic realm will eventually hopefully be um, explained through some form of science, but for now, it, that's probably the closest, but you know, a lot of people don't really understand quantum physics. That's still very puzzling to even the people who study it. I love the concept of superposition, you know, where instead of a zero or a one, it's a zero and a one at the same time. And there's a part of me that I experienced life and I've had many situations, both with psychedelics or breath work, or just through the birth of my son, where I felt love in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. And that love was not something that I could explain. I mean, how do you explain the way it feels when you hold your child, you have to just hold your child. There's no explanation for it. And I feel like the records is the same way. I want to go through a few terms because you rocked my world when we had our, our session and I've been thinking and feeling about it ever since. You talked about soul split and this is like the, the wounding, maybe neglect, lack of cherishing, lack of apparent witnessing. Um, it's where we go through a sever and we have like a loss of well-being, a sense of well-being that's lower. Now these emotions pile up and as these emotions pile up, the body literally cannot move freely. We experience a, a psychosomatic disorder. Can you talk about the soul split? So I'm assuming this is what came up in your reading. Is that what you're referring to? Yes. And it's also something that you mentioned to me, and I've heard this from a few different spiritual teachers, that at some point in our lives, our soul splits because of either past life trauma or current life trauma. And, I, and you might've even explained it where as we come into the world with the soul contract, there's the split. Mm. I mean, just being honest, like this isn't that's not how I would describe the soul splitting, but um, I'm not sure who uh, you spoke to about it in, in those terms, but I, my understanding is that the, the soul splits at inception. Um, when we are created, our soul okay. splits into two and yes. that's what creates our twin flame. But I haven't experienced, um, ever hearing that our soul splits in the actual physical world. So when we're born, there's a split. Mm -hmm. When we come into, when we incarnate, there's a split. What I what I experience in the records is that I wouldn't call it a split per se. I would say that um, when we're born, the soul is living. Uh, it would like to live through the body. It would like to. Um, we would like to be lived through the soul, right? Um, so, the soul is. Um, you know, it's it's hard because it's an intangible idea that we try to put tangible words to. I can see that I have two arms. I can see my body. I can see everything in this room. So the only way that I think about it that works is the awareness self, the one that is aware that I am, I have two arms and that I have thought and that I'm sitting in this room. It's a, it, the awareness doesn't have language. Um, I can't point to where it is exactly, but if you sort of pay attention to your next thought, 
the part of you that pays attention to the thought, mm. that to me is the the soul, if you want to say that. And so is it, it's in the body. It's not, it's not, you can't point to it. It's not anywhere that I could locate it, but it's this awareness that's ever present all the time. And it's um, always around us, right? It's never um, outside of us. The energy of our lifetimes can have an impact on our soul experience because as we get heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier, uh, taking on too much, that's why the records never say anything's wrong. At some point, if life gets too difficult, they do suggest making a change, like don't do it, uh, even though you might feel compelled towards something. Um, you know, there, there's a point of changing your path because the soul does start to absorb some of that energy and that, you know, they call it darker energy. There's nothing wrong. It's just darker, mm -hmm. heavier energies. Sometimes it's karma. Sometimes it's something that um, will then need to be worked off in a, in a next life. And it's not ideal to have too much heaviness in our soul states. And so um, that's kind of how I've experienced it through the records. I was visualizing, as you were speaking, I was seeing a river and on one side, there was the quote darkness. On the other side, there was the quote light, but that water can't flow without both. Like there's no way that we could ever have momentum or I guess you could say experience or, or a soul contract being lived without dark and light. I mean, it reminds me, I'm not a religious guy, but it reminds me of something I've said before in the show and it's Isaiah 45, seven. I, the Lord create dark and light. I create good and evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. And the Christian faith, they don't like to talk about that. It's in the King James Version, but literally it's being quoted in scripture, which you know may have been changed over the millennia. We don't know if that's exactly the words of the creator. But oh my gosh, when I really feel into that, if there's dark and light that was made from inception and all is God, all is creator, then there's absolutely no way to get out of a life that doesn't have some dark and some light. What, what makes people stick to the darkness? In other words, why is the darkness so sticky sometimes for people? I hope you are loving this podcast as much as I do. This moment is perfect for us because every moment is new and in every new moment we have a new choice, especially when it comes to super greens, superfoods, and really the nutrients that our food is unfortunately lacking from. Look, I know I have a son, I have a family, I have a busy life. I don't always make the time to cut and make fresh juice and get everything all prepared in the glass containers. So Organifi made it simple for me and simple for you, and especially to get your micronutrients from the green juice. And speaking of new, they have a brand new green juice, crisp apple that has just come out and I tried it. It's incredible. You get Northern Spy, Macintosh, Ida Red, Golden Delicious, and Empire apples all pumped in to this effective dose of ashwagandha at 600 milligrams. And it's only two grams of sugar, which is like nothing. This helps to balance hormones. You get your essential nutrients and fiber and also a daily reset for you to take a breath and do something loving for your body. Head over to joshtrent.com forward slash Organifi. Use the code wellnessforce. That's code wellnessforce for 20% off your new green juice crisp apple. Do something nice for yourself and your family with green juice crisp apple. And it's easy. You can go to joshtrent.com forward slash Organifi or you can just head over to the Organifi site. Use the code wellnessforce to save 20% off the green juice crisp apple. Why is the darkness so sticky sometimes for people? Yeah. So 
after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of readings where people are, you know, like, like human Laura would say that person's an asshole or like, right. That's kind of fucked up their behavior in the records. It's never wrong. Never. I mean, never. Like I can't even say words like you shouldn't, or that's not cool. Or like, it just doesn't happen. It's just heavier or darker or struggle or pain or challenge or something that you're moving to the other side of or soul work. Um, and so my, my understanding of the darkness is that we have attached so much judgment to it as being bad on some level, right? Wrong, something I should avoid. And it has led, in my opinion, the spiritual community into this desire to always be in the light. Like, yeah. right, there's that that dreamy, oh, I'm so, I'm so above my emotions good that I don't have only. them. Yeah. Oh my God. I feel so Get good. I'm just, I'm just pure gratitude. Oh, you and your weird anger stuff. And it's like, that's not what the goal of life is. I'm a human being and being human, I will experience anger. I will experience pain. I will experience frustration. That is not bad. It is true. And from that, I will also get the learnings. And sometimes the learnings come through quote unquote negativity, right? It comes from heavier experiences. How many people learn when everything is just awesome, right? We learn because we've hit a road bump or like, you know, gone straight into a wall, quite frankly, right? That's when yeah. we learn the most on our knees, right? So we go into those full surrender stop moments and, and we really reassess, or maybe we open ourselves potentially to seeing something different. So it would be nice if we could stay in that. Um, it's unrealistic. And I think it's set an entire generation of seekers uh, up for a lot of a lot of challenge because if you've decided it's wrong or bad or not the enlightened way yeah. to have any negative feelings, um, you're in trouble. Like the Dalai Lama, all the top spiritual teachers, I mean, they admit they still have anger. It's not about not having it. It's just how how long between the experience and the lack of attachment, right? Can I be angry, have the emotion arise, and then allow myself to let it go, right? That's the enlightened thing is I'm experiencing everything in totality, but I'm allowing myself to move through them. I'm not attaching, holding onto it, clinging to it. And so those, those quote, darker negative things, um, they're not bad. They're, they're sometimes our greatest teachers and um, there's zero, zero, zero possibility of becoming all light when you're incarnated. I mean, that's just not, that's not an option for a human being. One of the tools that I find my ego uses and others I've experienced as well is this shield of positivity and really spiritual bypassing. It's one of the core yeah. things I wanted to discuss with you today, because I'm sure this comes up a lot in your work in the records. The ego wants to protect itself, but it's actually, you know, protection is good sometimes. I mean, if there's something in there that the soul's not ready to feel or that the human being is not ready to process, it's actually a good thing that the ego uses that shield of positivity and good vibes only because maybe the body or the system isn't ready to process that yet, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like where have we decided that the spiritual journey has a path and there's a right path and that somebody around us knows what that is. I am in 
zero better shape to guide somebody than than anybody on the planet. I can only tell you my experience, my soul journey, my path, and how I'm moving through from where I am to where I would like my soul uh, growth to go. Um, but it's uh, very personal. And sometimes it comes through challenge. Sometimes it comes through, um, I don't know, ease, but it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's very personal. So you, you see a friend and they're struggling and you'd like to help them and move them along and say, you know, Hey, I know you've got this trauma and I want you to feel better. So why aren't you doing these 10 things? But in reality, you know, that's none of your business. They might, to your point about the, the positivity, the denial, whatever tool they might be using, because they're not actually ready for that next step in the journey. Um, And why do you feel that your insertion on their journey is appropriate? Right? Like, if you look in the Akashic realm and I talk about you, Josh, it's like, um, here's this man today, however old you are, who, who's had these experiences, but your soul goes back however long and has had all those experiences. So I may look at you and say, man, why can't he just fix that? Or he could just move forward or, Mm. oh, he's bypassing or he's in denial or a a lot of things. Um, But in reality, I don't really know all the details that led you to the moment you're in. And so that's sort of that, like we are where we're meant to be concept, right? Like people are truly working with what they have in the moment to the best of their ability until something unlocks them, allows them to move into that next place. Um, and, you know, find that moment of freedom, like, oh my God, I had that shift of perspective. I see things differently exhale, right? Like I can now move forward in my life. My relationship feels better. My job feels better. I feel better within myself. And and the spiritual bypass part, like, I mean, if you're saying to yourself, well, I shouldn't feel bad, negative, whatever it is, because as a spiritual person, I'm always in this like really, really, really like meditative place you're, you're not going to get there. That's like, um, you know, that's problematic, but maybe that's where you need to be. Right. Again, (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God, Laura, I love our conversations. I really do. And, and there's a part of me that knows I'm on the right path because I just fucking share. Like (laughs) we know you guys know on this podcast, like I just go for it and it's not always easy. Like sometimes when I'm done, I'm like, did I overshare? Did I, You know, did I share too much of my personal life? And I'm like, well, this is, this is what people deserve is the truth. We all deserve the truth, right? The wholesome truth. And sometimes for whatever reason, I find myself not wanting to 100% share. I don't judge myself for it. I'm not like, oh, I should be sharing more, but there's just this, there's like a softness inside of me. I, I was born with a soft heart. We discovered that in the reading there's a reason for that. You guys can look at the show notes and you can watch our, our highlights from the reading. But I wanted to, I wanted to explore something practical for people about the emotional stuff that I'm sharing. And that was this concept that I've heard from Caroline Mice and I've heard it from you and it was uh, soul contract. Mm. And the way that we come into the world, you know, before we incarnate, we have this soul contract with God, with creator, not some bearded dude in the sky, but it's combined. And this is what you shared with me and I loved it. You're, you said our soul contract is combined with free will. Yeah. So we, we might have a contract and we might come in on a contract, mm-hmm. but we also have free will as a soul, as a being. Yeah. So let's, can you explore those two terms first to give some practicality to 
uh, all the fun stuff we've been talking about. I enjoy it, but like on the ground, nuts and bolts, soul yeah. contract, free will. What are these things? How do we make sense of them? From the Akashic realm perspective, um, before we come into this life, we write a soul plan. So you picked this life. You picked the people. You picked what you wanted to learn. I chose my parents as well. You chose your parents. You chose the people around you. And you set up this environment because there was something that your soul wanted to learn. And this was the classroom environment that that your soul believed would get that to happen. And in part of that is you setting up these soul contracts. So you and your parents, the friendships, the relationships, the, it could be just like a person that you only have in your life for a month who's supposed to come in and drop some wisdom in your way, right? Like, you you know, you have that moment where you're like, damn, that person really changed my life. <laughs> right? yeah. um, and it's all set up for your soul to learn what it wants to learn in this lifetime. However, we are also given free will because what happens, Josh, is like we come here And it's hard. Like being human is hard. It's so much, there's no time on the other side, right? There's no time. So you get here and it's like, I I guess, right? Like you forgot how difficult it was to really live out six years of, you know, a bit deep struggle that you signed up for because you know that that struggle was going to teach your soul something that you needed to learn, right? Because six years on the other side is a blink over here. It's actually six years. And so you have free will. You can bail. You can drop out because there's nothing wrong because you have another life to do it. I went through this phase where I was like, well, wait a minute. Then my life seems like it's sort of meaningless. So I was asking the records about that. It's it's not that they just want you to bail and not think about it because for me, let's just use me as an example. Um, my soul really wanted to, to write these books to explore this wisdom in this lifetime to get the education I needed to have a free culture to be a woman who could do that, Mm. Um, to have the financial ability to spend the time on it because I had a business that I sold, right? That's not easy to come by. So if you have the environment that is conducive for you to live out your soul plan and get that to happen, you should do it because it's not wrong if you don't, but it might take you some lifetimes to set that up. It could take you another 20 lifetimes, right? So sometimes I read people and it's like, oh my God, your soul's been waiting for this for so long, right? And that's when you're really feeling that desperation, like I've got to get this done and I don't know what that is. And so then the soul contracts, the people around you are here as your teachers, as your guides. Um, and sometimes that teaching comes through them being quite frankly, horrible to you, but they've signed up for that. So you have free will, they have free will. They may not do it too for some reason. Mm. And so that happens, right? Somebody doesn't fulfill their soul contract. It creates karma. Like there's some kind of way in which they're going to have to pay that back. It gets super complicated. And I stopped asking about that. That just kind of made my head hurt at some point. Karma is like a spiritual credit card. Yeah, basically. Right. But again, it's not like uh, debt is bad. It just is owed, right? Without yeah. negativity. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you came here and you're, you and your partner were supposed to learn some lessons together. You agreed to it uh, and you just bail. You're like, I'm over this. I don't want to do it. I just want to move to a beach and live out my days kayaking, right? And the records would be like, all right, now your partner can't learn what she needed to learn in this life with you in the way she had designed it. She might have a plan B, but maybe it's not that great. She might not. So she may not learn that lesson in this lifetime. You two might have to repeat it or 
She might have to do it with somebody else. You know what I, I feel about this? And I love this concept of free will and soul contract because I have a sense that soul contract is what might not you if you're ignoring it. Like your soul contract, like for example, obviously you came in here to write books, to have a podcast, to teach yeah. others, to access the records. Any difficulty that you might have had getting to the space you're in or any yeah. difficulty you may have from this moment forward is all part of that soul contract unfolding to the degree that you resist it, which then I believe creates karma, yes, or to the degree that you flow with it. Can you expand that? Yeah. I mean, so this, the soul contracts are between you and others, but this soul plan of yours, like the things that you picked, you wanted to learn and you wanted to do it in this way. Um, that's exactly right. Like those things that you say to yourself, God, I don't know what it is, but I just know that I really want to get this done. Or I have, uh, people call me all the time. Like, um, I did my podcast, the art of authenticity about authenticity and people who are living an authentic life will tell their story on my podcast. And they say the same thing over and over. I was working, but I kept having this nagging feeling deep yes. within me that I just could not escape this thing. I don't know what it That's is, it. but I just knew. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You had it. I had it. Um, that's your soul going, ah, turn left. This isn't it. This isn't it. Right. And it's like this constant whisper until it gets loud, until yeah. it becomes unbearable. Right. So, yes, you have free will, but your soul, depending on how um, serious this plan of yours was, can really get excruciating. Right. And that's when yeah. you suffer uh, with this feeling of like, my life doesn't feel like I'm living my potential or my purpose. There's another concept I want to explore with you. Um, and it's something you mentioned to me when you read my record. So if I misquoted you, you can educate us, but it was how karma gets created and then how that turns into Dharma. So whether we hear it or not, when we're kind of opting out of our soul contract or we're ignoring our soul contract, there's now a, a credit card. There's a karmic debt that's been created, right? Yeah. And from yeah, that and so place, then what happens after that? Yeah. So you might have to fulfill that in another life with each other, right? Dharma is truth. So um, the hope is that you're receiving that guidance from your soul self going, Josh, Josh, you really need to do a podcast, right? Like whatever it is <laughs> that your soul is like itching to express through you that- I that fought you, it for a while. Yeah. That yeah. you agreed to before you came here. And that's why- there's something stirring within you. I know I need to have that kid. I know it's time to get married. I know you have those funny feelings. Like, I just know this has come to a close. I know that I need to make that change. And you don't know what it is. It's subtle. It's subtle, right? And I taught authenticity for a decade. It's this subtle little voice that talks and talks at you. And you're like, mm, I don't know what that is, but I know something is really stirring in me. When you, Dharma is I open myself up to that truth, right? Like I allow that that soul truth, the universe that's speaking through me that I am part of. And I allow that to live through the, the three-dimensional Laura. Laura mm -hmm. now takes action towards that soul truth. One way of thinking about it is like a, a car and a driver, right? A, but those fancy cars that um, you don't have to steer, right? That's automatic. So like the Teslas. Yeah. Like yeah. the, the car is Laura. Right. So Laura's driving around. She feels the bumps in the road, right? The windshield is getting hit. The rain is coming down. The soul is like sitting in the back seat, 
in the car going, let me pl- plot in the GPS. Let me tell you where I think we should go. Right. It put, it's not inside it's not outside. Right. So if you've ever been in a car and you suddenly open the the window, you like, damn, it's hot out or there's rain or the winds are blowing, but in the car, you feel kind of nice and contained. So your soul callings in this nice sort of contained space away from all the elements of life, whispering and whispering. It's the GPS goes Mm. out, go this way, go this way. But Laura's like out there driving going, I can't, there's a storm, there's a mudslide, this isn't working, right? And freaking out. And it's this um, relationship, right? Between the car and the the car, the driver um, and getting this GPS that's trying to talk to you aligned with Laura, who is out there, who has to make it happen. And when you find that alignment, when these two things work in tandem, like a bicycle for two, if you want to think of it that way, um, your life takes on this really beautiful flow state because your soul's like, hey, go this way. Mm-hmm. And the human 3D is like, I feel like I'm supposed to go that way. I'm going to go that way. And then you do, and you find that exactly what you want in this life starts to to show up for you. Right. So yeah. Yeah. It's being in your truth. Yeah. What do you think? What do you feel is a better question. What do you feel the combination of soul contract and agreed upon contract before we incarnate and free will? What is it about free will as an essence that fights the contract? Cause it's hard. Cause it's hard. And there's, there's two things being human. You have a brain. And your soul is not your brain. Your brain is this tool, right? It's, it's, um, it's the hardware. So the brain is designed to keep us from fear, from, from pain, right? So it has fear in there. And sometimes those are good things. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, you're walking on the street and fear goes, look up and there's a bus, right? Like it's protective, um, pain, pleasure. The brain loves to have endless pleasure and avoid pain. Right. And so being human, um, being with a brain that is organized towards linear problem solving, fear-based thinking and pleasure and pain avoidance makes it very hard to listen to this quiet, authentic self, the soul self that's speaking gently, who doesn't scream and yell, who won't Mm -hmm. fight for attention, who's more of a whisper in the middle of the night than a loud banging noise. Like, right. So that's the, one of the biggest problems is our brain state is, is so hyperactive and we have put it as the center of our life in the last hundred years. Like Descartes came and said, I think therefore I am. And we're all like, Oh my God, the brain is the greatest thing on the planet. Um, and, and we've organized ourselves around it. It's a beautiful thing, but it's not here to help you feel fulfilled. It is only here That's to right. go execute and get shit done for you. When you know that, you know, it helps, but th- that's one of the biggest challenges is just recognizing the limitations of the brain state. Um, and, and the second thing is that it's just really, really hard, Josh, to live your truth. I mean, truth is a hard thing to live in because it might mean I have to leave that relationship. Right. It might mean I have to say in the relationship that I'm over, I'm over, but actually as much as my brain is telling me, I don't want to do this or fuck this, or this person sucks or right. You have this ego reaction. 
you should be there still. Like your, your soul is telling you there's still more learning, but it's hard Ooh, <laughs> and you don't want to do it anymore. Right. We're going to talk so, about this later too. Yeah. Listening more. to truth is hard. It's hard. So we quit. Yeah. Mm, I feel you on that. We're going to talk about the concept of, of twin flame and soulmate before we are done with this podcast. I want to go through for the people that might honestly I guess you could say are calling in or needing the most support to open their hearts. Cause you had talked about the brain being this like arbiter of keeping us safe, which is essentially that's its job, right? It's like, how much pleasure can I have and how safe can I be? (laughs) That's really what the brain does. And it does a good job of that for a lot of us. But when there's psychosomatic stuff and when there's deep trauma, the brain can actually, you know, if you look at Bessel van der Kolk's work, the body keeps the score or Peter Levine, waking the tiger is a really good resource for this. Mm -hmm. When we go through trauma, which honestly it was supposed to happen. Otherwise it, you know, wouldn't have happened, but it's supposed to be here because that's part of the path we're on. That's part of our unfolding, right? That's all predetermined, I guess you could say in some way. Yes. Or is it not predetermined? Uh, not, uh, not all of it. Sometimes, you know, like again, people break their contracts, people have free will. Sometimes things are coming into your life that aren't planned, but nonetheless aren't wrong, you know? All right. And we get to that place then of, okay, where do I go from here? And I think that's the big question that a lot of people feel. I know I felt that a hell of a lot in my life. Yeah. With everything that I've been through with, you know, my lowercase T trauma, with my capital T trauma, with my soul contract and my free will and my karma and my dharma, with all these terms that can be kind of heady. Can yeah. you make sense from a heart place of what dharma truly is? Because we talked about soul contract and free will, yeah. and we know the karma is kind of the credit card for lessons. But Dharma from a heart place, can you speak to us from your heart about what Dharma truly is and how do we understand that and make sense of that from a heart level? Many people don't know this, but we actually can choose every single day to carve out three minutes to take a deep breath and to do something kind for ourselves. A lot of times we think it has to be big though, right? Like you have to do the entire chapter of the book or you have to do the full 20 minutes of meditation. You don't have to. You can literally just take a bite of something that's good for you, that's raised in an organic and humane way. This is why I love the turkey sticks, uh, specifically the cranberry orange. Cranberry orange is my favorite. From our friends and the sponsor of this podcast at Paleo Valley. The turkey stick is made with pasture-raised turkey, no nitrates, no nitrites, just natural celery juice and sea salt and all the beautiful flavors that come when you ferment turkey. And this is why I love turkey so much. A lot of people can't do saturated fat. So the turkey stick is a beautiful source. And I do mean beautiful of protein that is fermented, which actually helps your gut microbiome and improves the gut brain axis. You can get the turkey stick. The cranberry orange is my go-to over at Paleo Valley. All you have to do is enter the code Josh and you get 15% off. You support the podcast, you support your gut health, you do something loving and nice for yourself. Paleovalley.com. Use the code Josh to get your cranberry orange pasture-raised turkey sticks at 15% off. Let's get back to the podcast. Can you speak to us from your heart about what Dharma truly is and how do we understand that and make sense of that from a heart level? Yeah, you know, um, I, so I worked on authenticity for, for a long time and then I knew I needed to study love and I had this like, like, I don't know, dude, it was like, I felt like all this stuff is saccharine and I had this resistance Cause I hated all that stuff that was like, we're just love and all the, I don't know. Something about it always rubbed me the wrong way, but 
on the heart space and what you're speaking to, in, in my opinion, after now the last five years spending most of my time there, um, authenticity, when you go into what is true for you, what it, what it feels like to, to uh, tap into the deepest spaces within ourself, it's unspoken. You said your son, you hold him and there's an unspoken. Mm, yeah. So anybody in the audience, wherever you are, just pause and think about anything you love, anything, anything that brings that, whether it's, it's a day of golf or a hobby or a loved one, whatever that is that fills you, makes you pause, right? Like we look at a sunset and we just great art. We drop in, time stops, the brain silent, right? And there's this connection into self that's profound, but we don't even know where to place it. We don't know what to call it. It's pure essence. It's a moment of silence. That is what I now understand to be love, this unconditional, universal condition of what it is to be truly in our embodied self. And so it's not romantic love. It's not the kind of thing that we transactionally do back and forth with each other, depending on your latest behavior towards me, right? Uh, it's not something I'm giving to you like, hey, Josh, um, I'm going to do this loving thing for you. And it's my love that I'm giving to you. And I hope that you treat it with respect and all that kind of stuff, right? That transactional quality that we give. It's just that moment, the sunset, the, the, the child, the pet, whatever it is in your life that you feel that depth, silence. It's, it's an endless space and you have it and I have it. So we're all in, we're the same. We're the same, right? There's no difference. There's no separation. And the last thing I'll say is it's nowhere and everywhere, right? Because Josh, like right now you're breathing, you're breathing right? Some of the air in the room that you're in is in your lungs and it's also in the room. And I'm doing the same thing. So air is everywhere. It, it is in your room. It's in my room. It's in my lungs. It's in your lungs, but it is not my air and it is not your air. Mm -hmm. And I can't hold air and I can't contain air and I can't find the beginning of air and I can't find the end of air. And when I exhale, I don't say, oh my God, Josh, you did not inhale my exhale. Therefore, you didn't care about this gift of my exhale, right? But that's how we talk about love. We say it in those terms, right? We think of it as something that is mine that I'm giving to you or you're giving to me and I don't know how to receive it and all this nonsense. So it's something like that is really like um, what I believe uh, authenticity, truth, um, the, the, the reason we're here, the soul, it's like that. And the moment you try to place words, you have to say it's like that because there's no words for it. So if you're ever wondering, drop into that to that moment, right? Um, the music you love, the person you love, anything like that. And then just see how many times you can do that a day, right? Expand it. Um, your brain will do it for you anytime you want. All you have to do, Josh, is think about your son, right? And you can drop right into it. Mm -hmm. Something or someone you love. Yeah. So that means it's always there for you. Cause he's not standing here. You, you just imagine it and it right. happens. Yeah. Oh my God. Such a beautiful way to describe it. And I, I was doing some research last night in prep for our conversation and, and I got a lot of, there's a lot of definitions of Dharma out there. 
There's a lot of definitions mm-hmm. of what you describe, but they're all coming from the mind. But this one really hit me in the heart. And it said that um, it was actually from Mind Body Green. I'm not like a huge fan of Mind Body Green, but I love this quote. Um, Dharma is the cosmic law that created the order universe from chaos, but on an individual level, Dharma can refer to a personal mission or purpose. Yeah. That's really unique because it's not like somebody's being railroaded into doing something they don't want to do. It is unique to the individuated soul, their yeah. personal mission or purpose. How do we live our dharma? I know you talked about accessing love and doing what you love and and connecting with people and my my son for example. But from a location standpoint, I'm sure you help people actually understand what their dharma is. And then give them some guidance on how to live yeah. out their dharma. How do we do that? I mean, it's a bomb drop question. That's a huge no, question with a ton of, of nuance. Yeah, no, it's super simple. I mean, like all this is really theoretical, right? So what does this mean in my actual life? Um, it's that the repetition of the connection into myself, when I repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat that exercise, now I know what's true for me because I feel that. I feel that embodied yes i repeat that i repeat that and i repeat that until um i then can express my truth in the world from a small level to a large level right i've spent a decade with people calling me asking me laura please help me i i, I know there's something else but i don't know what it is i don't know i i know i yeah. want something but i can't can't put my finger on it. I'm going crazy. And these are highly successful, high functioning people on their knees asking what their truth is, right? What is my purpose? What is my truth? What am I here for? If you can't connect into that space and you can't make a small decision from that space, right? What is your truth for the next hour, right? And I mean that, Josh, like, do you really want to sit for another hour in front of your computer or do you need to go for a walk? Regardless of the decision, the action you take, can you even just get honest with yourself about which one is true without saying, no, I should. Other people will think, right? Like, can you not analyze it? Can you just tap into that absolute um, clarity point? Yeah. And and at the core of it, you know, it's just a curious question for me. It's like, I know that my Dharma has a lot to do with me seeking what is truth. What is truth within me? What is truth within the world? And how do I share that with people? That's my Dharma. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you can, if you can do it on a micro level, it's like building a muscle, right? You build it and build it and build it and build it over time. And then eventually you can ask that bigger question. What is my life's purpose is like going to the gym and hitting up, you know, the hundred pound weight, start with five pounds, figure out what it is you want in this moment. Be truthful about that. Repeat that a bunch of times. And over time, you're going to get so good at being truthful. The big question of what I want with my whole life, what am I here to do? What is my soul's journey? it'll get clearer. And also an Akashic record reading. I mean, it really does help. (laughs) I mean, if you feel like, I know I'm pretty good. I just don't know what it is. You know, sometimes you just need the guidance. But don't you feel like if someone's following their Dharma, like they're pursuing their truest calling and they're serving other beings and they're in the universal alignment of like, what is their truth in this lifetime? For some people, it can come at like 10 years old. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a doctor. For some people, it's like 50, 60, 70. 
don't you feel like, like one of the things that can really block people from actually living their dharma is comparing their dharma to others' dharma? Yeah, because again, you just put it in terms of it being through my career, but it may not be. It might be that I came here to uh, like practice joy. It's not actually supposed to be something physical. Um, it's just a lesson within my soul. And so, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, um, that's why it's just a practice of being in your own truth and living from that feeling within yourself of that. Yes, that, that subtle. Yes. Um, and it, it may not come at 10 and it may show up at 60, but it also can change, right? You may uh, really find a truth and then evolve past that and now have another one. So it, it's it's not, again, this American prescriptive model of I'm going to work and work and grind. I'm going to get there. When I get yeah. there, I'll be happy. And when I'm happy, I'll be done. And I'll feel that way till the end of my days. Like that's just, that's just not it. You know what I was visualizing when you were speaking? A perfect infinity loop. A perfect infinity loop. So we have this perfect infinity loop that just keeps going and going and going. But there's that inflection point in the center of the infinity loop. And I feel like that is where the origin of so many lessons and so much pain and so much contraction happens. But it's just necessary. It's like all part of the path. It's all part of the process. What was one of the hardest moments for you, that that squeeze point in your dharma leading up to this point? What's been that squeeze point in the infinity loop for you where you were like, wow, I'm really tested by this? For sure, for me, the 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 challenge was when I I built the business, I sold it. I knew that it was time for me to move forward, but I didn't have any faith in trusting that things will unfold over a period of time. The not knowing what that meant, and not having a path, and not having a, a plan that was just really, really stressful for me. It was um, 15, no, it was 20 years ago, but it was just this releasing of control um, and allowing things to happen and allowing myself to react. That was brutal. I mean, I, I was definitely stressed out all the time. Yeah. The not knowing space. The not knowing, the not having the next thing planned out, the knowing that there was something else, but not knowing what it was, the exploration phase. And in the exploration phase, I can only imagine where when you sell something that was quote successful or you transition to something that everybody else might like be like, oh my God, I would love to have what you have. It doesn't matter because you know internally that it's done, that there is a space you need to go into. I've heard David Data talk about sometimes your purpose is actually just to be patient in a space of not knowing your purpose. That's and right. that can actually be someone's purpose for quite some time. That is what? the bane of my existence. I mean, that, <laughs> what you just said is, is the one I, I can't, I, I, I'm very low tolerance. <laughs> yeah. My nervous system, for whatever reason, I, I, I have trouble. I have a struggle in the not knowing. And that could actually be in relationships with others. So, you know, whether it's with my partner or friends or business, whenever there's a space, a long space, and for me, it might be like, two weeks, a month where there's nothing, no communication, nothing, just silence. One thing that I've been working on personally is just noticing my discomfort, just mm -hmm. noticing that I am discomfort, that I am experiencing discomfort, not that I am discomfort and, and asking it like, what are you here to teach me? <laughs> like, what are you honestly 
here to teach me? Because if I don't ask that question, it can be a torturous loop. Have you experienced that? Yeah, of course. I mean, look, every moment is an opportunity to wake up further into ourselves if we allow it to be. But again, there's that egoic resistance, right? Where you just you just don't want to <laughs> like you, you know, you, you don't want to be patient. You don't want to wait. You don't want the silence. You don't want the unknown, whatever the fill in the blank is. It's, it's a struggle until you recognize that the struggle is there for you and an opportunity to learn. And as soon as you let go and go, all right, what's, what is it that I'm not seeing? We all do it with our friends, right? Like yeah. you see your friend and you're like, oh, how do they not get that yet? That's so freaking obvious, right? Like we, we, you see your friend like make the same mistake 500 times and you ask like, how in God's name I've told them, 10 people have told them, why don't they see it? Like we're all in a classroom of our own making and not seeing the lesson that's right in front of our eyes. And then you see it and you go, oh, (laughs) like, oops. Um, So yeah, I I think that I definitely have those struggles. Um, I always think I'm on the other side of them. And then another one comes in another lesson, another form. Uh, and, and it's, it's that surrender moment for me when you just kind of let go and go, okay, let's stop resisting this. The Pentagon that I've talked about on the show a lot and that I'm learning in my own life is this mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial. So it's like this perfect Pentagon. And in all those areas, I'm either leaning into the discomfort, practicing my breathing, asking the discomfort or the not knowingness, what are you here to teach me? Or I'm not. And when it comes to the part of relationships, relationships is like its own Pentagon, right? And I promised we were going to talk about this and I'm so glad we have this little slice of time to explore it. And it is this twin flame and soulmate. When I think about twin flame, it's like, and you talked to me, um, I think it was about three, four weeks ago, we had our, our call. You said it's once in a lifetime. Twin flame is like, it's once in a lifetime, but how do you actually know if someone's a twin flame or a soulmate? Cause from what I've researched, a soulmate could be a family member, a friend, um, a relationship that might feel easy, but what's the core difference between twin flame and soulmate? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the idea of a twin flame, Plato's symposium talks about it. It's, uh, that your soul splits in half and you have one other soul that is your other half. You don't meet in lifetimes that often. Um, but when you do, there's this rapid growth learning, which causes a lot of a struggle because you mirror each other's deepest wounds for the other person to rapidly heal. Mostly unknowingly you're mirroring And the struggle is deep. And so often there's a lot of breaking up, a lot of uh, challenge. Um, Often the relationships don't work because it's so, it's so hard to be around somebody who mirrors you to that degree. It's for your soul growth. It is for your highest good so that you can um, heal these things and move into the world in a, in a bigger sense. A a soulmate, there's lots of soulmates. There are people that you've had many lives with. And they're people who you like to, it's like, think of your, your, your best friend over lifetimes, right? So you just kind of have these people that, um, these souls that you reincarnate with a lot and there's that comfort. So, Mm. you know, you meet how many people in a year through work and life and just your comings and goings. And once in a while you meet somebody and you're like, Oh my God, this person and I were like brothers, we're like family, right? It's that knowing or friendship. That's kind of like um, a soulmate relationship. And you can have, you can have many of those in a lifetime. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. It's something that I feel in my throat and my heart. Like when I, when I know that, like I can close my eyes and I can visualize like probably three or four soulmates in my yeah. life, but I haven't had a lot of them. I don't know what that means. Maybe we can do another reading <laughs> on that. But the twin flame, man, do I feel like in my relationship, am I in a twin flame? Every single yes. thing that is mirrored back to me is so intense. And I, I'm sure if you asked her, she'd say the same thing. You know, I'm not here to dirt, to air out our dirty laundry, but like, man, you know, the, the twin flame being the mirror for our deepest wounds, the, the two halves of the soul. And this includes strengths and weaknesses. Can you expand that? Yeah. You know, you guys, I read your records and your partners and it's very, very, very rare that I'll find a twin flame. Um, you can really feel the difference because there's an energetic difference in the records. Um, and it definitely feels like you two have that. There's this great, great, great love and pull and connection. Um, but yeah, the the idea is that um, you go and live, as, as a soul, you go and live different lives and then you meet up and your soul and her soul have now picked up a bunch of lessons. Um, and it's almost like a cheat sheet to meet your twin flame because they're going to mirror back a bunch of things and you're going to mirror back a bunch of things and you get like... Um, a PhD in a matter of, you know, weeks instead of years, right? If you think about it that way. So your twin is teaching you real quick, but on a human level, that a level of growth feels like you're tearing more than you're comfortable with a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's something that um, people can't quite tolerate. And they also don't know that that's what they're in. And so it ends up being um, overwhelming or they don't have the support for the trauma that the unresolved traumas that come up or the healings that need to happen. So it, it's, it's a, there's a lot of documentation about it. It's a, it's a bit of a topic that's um, um, I don't know, there's controversy around it, I guess, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. um, I found it to be true. And that's kind of the Akashic records view of it. Yeah, I found it to be true as well. I'll tell you that the soulmate, there can be this like almost like fun, like we're on vacation together. <laughs> you know, it's my soulmate. And those are good. And, and and I'm not here to judge. Sometimes maybe, I'm curious how you feel about this. Soulmates can be a marriage. Soulmates can be a relationship. Oh, soulmates yeah, can sure. be that. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a twin flame. It's almost like the burden of spiritual growth for twin flame relationships has to be held in such a special way with so much reverence and so much support that without yeah. the right ingredients, it can crash and burn. Yeah, no, uh, soulmate love is wonderful. Um, it's, it's very hard to make a twin flame relationship stick and they blow up frequently. Um, they're, they're hard and <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you check out on the internet, there's the 12 steps or the eight steps or whatever for twin flame relationships, but yeah. um, a lot don't get to the union at the end. Cause it's just um, too much healing. And one of the two just can't handle it and bail. <laughs> because so, they either didn't have the right support or because of the soul contract free will piece. Yeah. One or the other, it's too much. Um, they don't want to, they bail on their agreement. They, um, life is too hard once again, right? Like in yeah. the 3D realm, like the things they have to actually heal are just more than they can handle. And they do it potentially in one, two or more lifetimes. That's right. It just continues. That's right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So in, how has this played out for you personally? I, you know, we had, I met my twin flame uh, four and a half years ago and, um, you know, it was extremely 
uh, very quick relationship to ignite, but then the breakup started really quickly. So the um, ability to um, move with flow with the energy that was happening was much more than we were prepared for. We didn't know what it was. We didn't understand it. We didn't have context for it. It took us years to know that's what the relationship was in fact. And so there was just a lot of breaking up and a lot of healing coming back together, breaking up, healing, coming back together. And um, definitely over the years, it's it's been very beneficial, but extremely taxing way to to learn. I would, you know, I would say I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish it on somebody, but at the same time, it's very, very beautiful. And um, I'm fortunate. I look back and I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm, you know, 10 times better of a person for this relationship to be in my life. Uh, But it's, it's like all learning the hard way is how I would probably (laughs) say it. (laughs) This is something that presents the spiritual path or the spiritual growth path. It's not always sexy. It's glamorized by magazines. It's glamorized by social media. Oh my God, I'm so spiritual or I'm on the spiritual path. You better be fucking prepared to bleed if you really want to be on the spiritual path. Let that sink in here because if I want to grow spiritually, I have to be willing, free will, to combine with that soul contract and go, all right, whatever the course brings me, I'm going to meet it with love. I'm going to meet it with my best effort. I'm going to meet it with my biggest open heart. And essentially... The goal of this, right, if I'm in a twin flame, would be like so much healing in one lifetime that there would be a perfect soul union. And to bring it full circle, in the very beginning, we talked about Yogananda. What was given to me as a gift in 2019 from my mentor, Paul, he said the soulmate prayer to me. And it was, bless me that I choose my life's companion according to the laws of perfect soul union. And I just got like a full body emotional chill right now. I almost like I have that cry feeling just talking about it. And he said that soulmate prayer to me twice. And like 12, 11 days later, I met Carrie in the desert and we hiked up this mountain. And I knew I was like, this is like, I I was like starting to figure out. And then a couple months later, I was like, I don't know why, but you're the mother of my child. So I have experienced this, this Mm -hmm. twin flame. What parting guidance could you give to anyone who might be in a twin flame situation so that they can eventually be this perfect soul union, so that they can heal to be this perfect soul union. Um, beautiful story, by the way. I, I guess I would say first, you know, double check because a lot of people think, oh, I found my twin flame, but it is not. Um, it's really just a toxic relationship. How, how would they know if they're there? Yeah. So you can get an Akashic Record reading. You can go to all sorts of healers. People can help um, differentiate the difference for you. And there's, I guess there's... Um, a challenge to the relationship, but there's a lot of soul growth versus a toxic relationship. That's not actually helping you evolve to a new potential. Mm. And to me, that's the big telltale. So you, they can look almost the same because there's this um, cycling around your challenges. Um, But if they're, if it's not leading towards um, benefiting you, you're not growing, you're not healing, um, probably it's not a, a twin flame and, and also just, um, you know, take the pressure off, right. It's for you, for your growth and maybe it's going to happen. Maybe it won't. Um, and if it can't, because one of the two is not on board with the, the immense amount of work it takes, that's okay too. Right. So kind of, um, not, I don't know, 
um, buying into the idea that this has happened. And so it has to happen. Like again, um, everything that I've learned and studied, nothing has to happen. Nothing's wrong. Uh, there's no getting it wrong in life, right? Like people call me and say, am I on the right path? And I'm like, oh, I can see how your path is for your highest good or right. Um, but I, I can't, you can't, you're never going to get an answer from the Akashic realm that you're on a right or wrong path. So that's kind of like my best advice for people is to just go easy. Know it's for you and it's hopefully helping heal you and you're growing over time. Um, and, and to, you know, give space to it if it's not. Uh, so beautiful. I think about the ways in which I have fought my soul contract in my life and, and, um, you know, there's also just a love for myself there. When I, when I look back on like a, the span of the cosmic library we've been talking about and I go way back to like three, four, five years old, he's such a loving little boy. He's so awesome. He's so loving. And I see it in my son. And then I flash forward to, you know, me being like 15, adolescent, teenager. And like, he was so angry. He, he was like so confused. Like, why are y'all being like this? Like what? This life can be so much different. And then I can see from my own wisdom now, from learning from leaders and teachers like yourself. I mean, this is like almost episode 500 now. I can, I can look back and I can go, wow, like all that happened for a perfect purpose too. Like it all happened for my good. And I'm not just bypassing. I'm literally feeling all of this happened for my good. All of it. Every little tiny thing, every little grain of sand happened for my greatest good. As we say goodbye what is in your greatest good right now? What things do you know on a soul level that are happening for you? What are you excited about? What are your challenges that is evolving you that is for your greatest good as Laura Co. <laughs> awesome. I love that. Um, yeah, I've really been leaning deep into this idea that um, I mentioned earlier that I just don't know and that, it's okay. And I don't mean, I don't know. I surrender. I let go of the situation. I literally mean, I actually think I don't know anything. (laughs) And I mean, my brain has knowledge, but my knowing of what we're here for, why we're here, what this all means in the grand scheme is just so far beyond me. And that I'm, I'm finding peace in that, right. That I'm finding peace in that, that I don't need to know that I can step back and watch things as they unfold and open And then as I see them to make decisions, that thing I mentioned earlier, what your truth is, that feeling within yourself as as the days flow through, I just make those choices one after the next um, as often as I can. And when I get off track, come back to it again. So that's, that's really mostly what I'm focusing on right now is the releasing and the letting go um, sort of at a global level, like maybe it's okay to know nothing. Cause in that nothing, there's also everything, which is what you yeah. talked about earlier. And I've heard this from, from many mentors. It's been an incredible exploration with you. I knew this is going to be great. I was like, last night I was preparing and I was like, this is going to be really, really good. Like this is going to be dense. It's going to be light. It's going to be all the things. Um, to say goodbye, I want to read what's on your website. It's lauraco.com. We'll link it right below wherever you guys are watching. The key to your truth is waiting. When you unlock your inner truth, you find that everything you seek is within. Yeah. It's easy for us to like hear that and go, oh yeah. But to actually live that and like let that soak in. If I have a key of truth that's waiting and, and I'm unlocking that, 
there are some things that I need guidance on in order to do so. Otherwise, I would just be doing it, right? I wouldn't need any guidance. I wouldn't need any support. So where do people go to get that exact support from you? Lauraco.com is the website, but is there anywhere else where they can specifically start the path of learning, working, being guided with you from you? Yeah. So um, lauraco.com, you can grab a a reading with me, the books, um, but I also created something called the little soul school and it's little soul dot school. And it's a place where you can do um, the Akashic records. I created a, I've trained hundreds of people as accountants, lawyers, name it. So if you feel like, no, that's not me, I I promise it's for anybody. And it's a free resource. Um, You can learn how to access your own Akashic records. You can go play with your friends uh, and practice it. And if you're interested in leveling up, Uh, There's a level up program of all my best advice um, that I offer. Um, So that's uh, kind of my new baby is working on that. And then the books, um, you know, there's just a ton of wisdom in them. And and if you're interested in, you can't kind of um, get, at least for me, right? Like I wrote them because I needed them and then I wanted to share them. But to get in right relation to love and self-love and boundaries, um, you can't fix what you don't quite understand. And when I learned about this from the Akashic realm, I was like, oh, that makes more sense. Now I can, I have a starting point to, um, to, to make changes in these areas in a way that's meaningful in my life. Laura, so good. So good. I really enjoy you as a person. Thank you for the guidance you've given to me. Thank you for sharing your message with the world and like having the courage. I mean, this spiritual path, y'all got to have courage. <laughs> you you got to really want it. It's got to be a soul calling. So thank you so much for being here with us. And as we say goodbye, how do you define well-being, wellness to live your life well? You answered this question in 2018, which seems like a lifetime ago. How would you describe wellness? You know, how does Laura Co live her life well? What does that mean to you? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This is just a blast to chat with you about this. Um, so I appreciate it. And oh, it's like removing the idea of it being pleasurable as the main goal and to stay happy all the time, because I think the pursuit of happiness is an impossible idea. We're not supposed to be in a state of happiness at all times. So wellness to me is to, as much as I can, be present in the moment for exactly what it is and live without judgment about it as right or wrong and not resist it if it's difficult and not try to grab onto it if it's amazing to just let it be and keep repeating that. Um, Because all I have is this present moment exactly the way it is. And so I can either deny it, resist it, or embrace it, even if it's painful. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you to everyone for being here with us. We're talking more about Laura, wellnessforce.com forward slash community. Until Laura and I see you again, thank you for being here to learn about this wisdom and we're wishing you all love and wellness. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Laura Coe, everybody. (laughs) Josh, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Um, You're welcome. I'm going to hop because I'm my dad here, but um, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. And And tomorrow, tomorrow. yeah, I was going to say I'm on your show tomorrow. So um, I love it. Cool. Okay. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Thank you, baby. Yep. Bye. Bye. Thank you for being here with us on the podcast. You can access all the wellness and the wisdom over at joshtrent.com forward slash podcast. You can get every single thing you need to access all the wisdom you have inside of your body and heart and soul 
right at joshtrent.com forward slash podcast. If you want to be coached directly by me and be a part of this thriving wellness force global community, just go to joshtrent.com forward slash M21. Start your journey today. Get the M21 wellness guide with six science-backed practices that'll help you body, mind, and soul start your day with the right intention and the right mindset so your physical body can give you love back. That's joshtrent.com forward slash M21. Start today. I'm waiting for you. You have the community right here, right now at your fingertips. You just have to have the courage to take the first step. joshtrent.com forward slash M21 to get your free 21-day six-part science-backed guide.